Howdy, back on another one. Uh, this time I have a guest from, uh, I guess we say down under, um, <laughs> from uh, Australia, if I'm uh, if I'm correct. Um, Andrew, would you mind sort of running people through your, you know, who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks, uh, Chase. I'm, my name's Andrew Abel. I'm a enterprise security strategy architect with Origin Energy. Um, mostly focused for the last year or so on zero trust strategy, and we're currently shaping up a zero trust project to implement in our business. So when when you say you guys are like lining up on ZT, what does that look like for you? I mean, how are you planning, plotting, scheming to that, especially since you're on the other side of the world and everybody seems to have their own flavor of this? How are you approaching it? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we approach it like most people should approach it. We, we take all the principles, we, we work through all the different flavors of zero trust and philosophies and apply it to our particular business. Um, we have a diverse business, as you can imagine, in energy. We've got OT, we've got, uh, we've got retail, we've got corporate, we've got all different types of people and different types of processes in the business. So it's just a matter of, you know, seeing opportunities where they exist, having a look at our environment and applying those, those principles uh, as, they, as they apply what we want to achieve. So where do you, I mean, what did you start with? Did y'all start with identity? Did you start with OT inventory? Like what was the, you know, we do this first. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to start with the uh, let's, let's take a, a stock take of our assets and understand our landscape, but uh, that's not really sexy. So it's very hard sell to get anyone to want to put money and time into that. So we went for the big ticket items, like obviously PII, um, you know, financial transactions, customer information, and then um, being a, an energy company, we've obviously got requirements around continued production and, and um, you know, our OT environment. So we just identified the key assets for us and, and who would be trying to steal what or do what. So obviously with production, it's, people are trying to stop it, but with your normal PII, people are trying to steal it. So... We were just looking at that, what, where our weak points are and, and what people could possibly want to get from us. Well, okay. So you, uh, you mentioned something that comes up pretty regular, right? When you're talking um, the sexy factor, I like to, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I love vendors because vendors have good tech that solves problems. I think that the marketing stuff gets a little bit yeah. crazy sometimes, but like when you're thinking at sexy problems, like, what what what's the value in a sexy sort of problem and a sexy solution if that makes any sense uh yeah i think a sexy a sexy solution is where you can see real business value and where you're contributing you know i think these days you know 20 years ago there was the, the business on one side and the it team on the other side and the business said look i don't understand what they do just let them do it and and, and they'll modernize our it part but these days with analytics and and basically everything comes down to a mathematical equation every solution and everything you put forward has got to have business value so I think that's where the sexy comes in, where you can use creative security solutions to enable the business and drive the business value forward. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned the vendors and, tool, and tools, like that's a good point. Like a hammer is a good tool, but I wouldn't use it to try and bake a cake, you know. So you've got to, you've <laughs> got to, talk, to, got to talk to vendors and uh, use their tools for the right outcomes and the right reasons, I think. So that's that's famous man i'm gonna i'm gonna have to borrow that one that'll be the, the title <laughs> of this don't use a hammer to bake a cake yeah i i mean i guess it's but it's there's incredible value don't you think in having i mean you you said you kind of go you guys kind of went with know what you need to know and then start figuring out where you need to put controls and, and security pieces around that instead of a lot yeah. of times folks are like we gotta solve for x and you're like well do you know where x is mm. 
Yeah, I, I think assumptions are sometimes the enemy of good solutions. Like if you go, we've got to do this or, or and I think that's part of the broader zero trust issue with security um, people and vendors is if you make assumptions and go and talk to people about this is what you must do. It's like, well, how do you know that? You know, you've got to start with a question and the question leads to an answer and hopefully more questions. And then you build an actual accurate picture of what you're trying to achieve and what the business needs you to achieve through, you know, that scientific approach continual questions and answers lead to more questions and more answers and build build your knowledge yeah because it's um it's really more about like you said it's there's an evolution there's a practice there's kind of a methodology that comes to this i like that you said kind of the scientific side of it and that that's something i don't think enough people pay attention to is there is kind of a scientific approach to this i i think anyway yeah for sure yeah there's also you know i think empathy and creativity and other non-traditional security um concepts and and personality traits and emotional intelligence all that stuff and psychology all plays a part especially with you know the beauty of zero trust is that it's so nuanced and flexible and it can it can basically be bent to suit any need um, as long as you understand how to how to bend it and what you need to get out of it do you think that um that's a fair assertion for folks to understand is like that because i i think that it makes sense to me but you're actually right now literally doing the work like to tell people um this is this is something that's modified and applicable for you this is not a written in stone biblical thing like make it your own and then adapt around it but there's value in the strategy yeah yeah i think so like if you can sort of understand people a very smart man told me once you've got to understand people's motivations and and i've always that's always stuck with me because i think it doesn't matter whether you're going to a a, an international bank or a box factory you know every business has a core mission and then the business exists to do a certain thing and that thing's made up of a bunch of smaller processes so if you make the effort to understand each of those protest processes and apply security to each of them that's how you come up with a solution you know it's where people go in and say you've got to you know assume breach and all the other stuff which is valid but to business people it looks like a eight foot wall no matter where they're looking at it from you know, so you've got to apply that context. So, I mean, you, cause you, you ping me before about this whole business thing. How do you get the business people to understand what you're doing and the value of it? Uh, well, I sort of, I take the approach of understanding. I say, look, you know, this is how we engage with our customers. These are the platforms in our particular business. This is the age of it. This is our operating model. I think that's another thing that you have to, um, to build into what you're trying to achieve is what people you've got, what skills you've got, how you operate stuff. You know, you can't uh, just assume that you buy a solution off the shelf and plonk it in like, you know, ERP solutions or finance solutions are a classic example and everything's going to be hunky dory. You know, you've got to have the right cultural way of doing stuff the right people so you know and, and from a business leader's point of view or someone who's signing the checks you're just one person in a line asking them for money to do stuff so you've got to articulate how it's going to solve a particular problem and contextualize it and make it make it resonate with them because it'll be like well i don't understand any of this stuff so i'm not giving you any money so when you're when you're having those conversations and i mean uh, you know you're asking for for dollars is there is there anything you would tell folks that are in your same position, like, don't do this because you're only going to, I mean, you, you're dead on arrival? Uh, yeah, I would say don't um, <clears throat> don't sort of try and impress people with how clever you are. Um, don't um, try and do vanity projects in security or IT in general. Do make it real, even if you have to cut back the scope or, or 
spread it out over more years or whatever. Just make it real for people because you've got to show people that you're sort of empathising with what they're trying to achieve and you understand their problems, basically. And zero trust is ultimately a problem-solving um, philosophy and structure where, you know, the problem is how do we secure our operations and processes and that's what you're trying to implement it to do. What Do you, uh, do you think that ZT is being well received over in australia or is it you're still having to educate people on what it is or is it um yeah i think it is i think that you know it's one of those things when uh, one of those things when you sit down and explain it to someone like oh now i know what what it is it's just still making smart choices and being more secure it's not you know it's not a product it's not a platform it's not anything that's sort of anything to worry about it's actually just a bunch of good ideas concentrated into one sort of philosophy or, or or structure you know so it is well received um there are you know i go to i spoke at a conference and we go we go to conferences about zero trust and it, it's quite high according to forrester and some of the other organizations that track adoption um, but yeah, we have the same problems around people sort of misrepresenting it or not quite understanding it. Um, you know, I think with Zero Trust, a lot of the time, the problem is the people who want it don't have the seniority to fund it and the people who fund, can fund it don't always understand it. So um, mm -hmm. that, that's part of the issue I see. Well, that goes back to kind of the point you were making about the business side of this, not understanding the security strategy and vice versa. Yeah. Cause the, the business people typically are kind of, I guess you'd call it more senior and the security folks are the ones kind of now coming into the market to go like, look, this, this is actually a thing we should engage in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. You know, like if you look at it like a, a tennis court, you know, to me, the zero trust conversation always seems to happen too far on the security and technology side rather than on the business side of the court, you know, um, business people are hired to run a business and grow the business and deliver outcomes. And so are the security people. So I think that as security people, we need to start, talking the language of business more than the, the language of security and, and sort of fulfill the role as a, a supporting organization for the business, just like anyone else is. Well, what, I mean, what is the, you know, with language, the right, there's always those, uh, I guess you'd call them dialects. So like, what's the, the dialect that seems to make a difference when you're talking to business people? Is it talking, if I do this, I can save money here. Is it, this will make us grow revenue. Like everybody's, there's a thing that they want to hear. So what is, you know, when your experience, what do they want to hear? Yeah, well, I think that that comes back to part of the understanding what the business outcomes are. You know, like some businesses are in, in the growth phase. Some businesses are well established, but they've grown organically and they've got holes all over the place and they're at risk of being hacked or ransomware attacks or, you know, other businesses have um, a workforce that have no real security awareness because of the nature of the business. So I think you've got to identify those risks and, and again, you know, understand the risks in the business profile and say look for us we're trying to grow we can only grow if we're secure and these are our you know if we're going to grow quickly we've got some risks here and you know like just apply it to the actual business goals of the organization yeah because i mean i think it was ibm that published a study i'd have to find it but i, I think it was ibm or uh, one of the maybe accenture that published a study that basically said businesses that engage in and they didn't specifically say zt because that would have probably tainted the study but it was like businesses that engage in security strategic approaches have a better return on their investment and it is a business differentiator it, like it makes you mm. where you can just tell customers how you do security which people are starting to ask that question not yeah. as much as i'd like them but they're starting to yeah yeah that's right for sure and i think that's another part of the cell is 
uh, over here in Brisbane where I am, we've recently had a lot of floods uh, again after 10 years after other floods. And, and so there's a lot of pressure on the government to spend money on, you know, levees and walls and flood mitigation. And, and um, they, they're reluctant to because governments never want to spend money. But the point is for every dollar that they spend, you know, mitigating for future floods and it stands up to another 20 or 30 floods, it's not, they don't have to respend it and it saves money down the track. And I think that's sort of similar to the security, whatever businesses invest in their security strategy now, it holds them in good stead over the next X number of years. So it is, it does return. It's just hard to uh, articulate that exact return to business people sometimes in a, in a dollar value sense. It's yeah, it's a good point. I, this is a tangential question, but like, I, I really want to come to Australia because there's a lot of stuff I'd like to do there. But every time I talk to somebody that lives there, it seems like everything is trying to kill you. <laughs> there are a few things. Well, yeah, I'm in Queensland, so there's a few extra things that'll kill you in our state. There's like but, uh, crocodiles and snakes and spiders and fires and floods. And it seems like yeah. it's, you know, you guys must just run around like Steve Irwin, just kind of uh, constantly jumping away from danger. That's it. Well, we do. We do include that in our child uh, education <laughs> packs. What to do when you see a snake or a, a spider. I had two spiders in the house the other day, but they were only small. They were only about as big as half your hands, not your full hands. So. Good Lord. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, ter- I'm terrified of spiders. I just burn the house down. Like I don't, I don't even bother. <laughs> yeah. yeah a bowl I, and a piece of paper. Uh, no, I would. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a lot of things, but when it comes to eight-legged uh, aliens, <laughs> no, nah, I don't mess with those, man. Yeah, no, no, they won't. They won't eat much. <laughs> okay, so um, I wanted to also kind of pick your brain a bit too, because you and I chatted about there's a difference between data and information and data yeah. and intelligence. But your perspective on that was kind of different because you were thinking you were talking to a lot about kind of how that is on the business side of it, not necessarily entirely on the security side, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I think these days, like I, I tend to talk about um, identities as a business asset and information as a business asset, you know, and I think in the old days of people getting popped, they'd, you know, you'd read about that they'd break in and steal gigs and gigs of data and just hope that they found something good. But these days, um, with the sophistication of attacks, they know exactly where the information is, what's valuable, what's not, and it's very surgical in, in the approach a lot of the time. <clears throat> pardon me so the information is basically you know if you've got your like you see the customer database or the credit card databases they they you know target that and take that out and that's business information which is obviously critical to, to the organization so i think that's the difference is that context around you know this is data that we use to grow the business or whatever is information versus this is just a bunch of data that sits in an s3 bucket or something so you know but isn't doesn't that get complicated when you're trying to explain to people that aren't sort of vectored in on this that there is value to understand that context? Do you find that to be problematic? It's good and bad. So it is it is a bit of a problem in a broader sense. But when you get into specifics and say, look, you know, on this server or this S3 or this database is where we keep all of our customer records or in this application, if this goes, we're in big trouble. So we've got to focus our initial efforts on protecting this one information source or this one application so and from that point of view it does help for business leaders to go right well i know i've got you know one area that's that's a you know top shelf area to protect so i can grasp that okay well that leads me down the other avenue of if you're especially you guys right like you're in kind of a unique vertical with uh, so much ot and critical infrastructure that type of thing Uh, that seems like it would be 
exceptionally difficult to get people to understand some of the value and context of the data that you have when all of it um, might not be of value, but some of it might be really valuable and might not just be the kind of billing stuff, right? Like it could be valuable for an adversary to find out how things share information, how pieces of gear talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. So, like, obviously, traditional OT environments, a lot of that that data never leaves uh, a specific process or a workflow. You know, it's actually very hard to get to because it's so far down the down the tree. But there are other things, are, you know, that are shared around for the bit that have business value that different parts of the business use. So, um, in that context, it's just about identifying where it's kept and then doing the analysis on the protections. You know, we we talk a lot about. Uh, the the security controls within an application versus the value of the information that it holds. So you don't put high value information in low security thresholds, containers or applications. So that that's part of the zero trust principles and process as well to say, look, you know, we've got some high, high value information here, but this app's rubbish, it's crap, um, or the process is crap. So we need to move it or you need to upgrade or you need to replace that that application. Yeah, I would I would also think um it's super interesting to figure out from the perspective of uh what isn't of value because a lot of times yeah. I think that there's so much problem in folks going, Oh, this is all useful. It's like, no, some of that is totally not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's about the context as well. You know, if you've got if you've got a bunch of business processes that generate data or information that's not very valuable at all, then that's not where you would start to invest money and, and brain power in securing it, you know? So it is, it is part of it. And that's why we talk about information as an asset, because you've got to, you've got to grade how high that asset is. You know, if you buy a new semi-trailer, that's obviously a higher asset than the broom and the bucket in the cupboard of the janitor's office, you know? So it's all about context. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So, within the since we're talking ics and ot how are you guys um not posture wise but i mean how are you dealing with or considering the reality of sort of critical infrastructure attacks and the stuff that's been going on as far as nation state level because i would think you're probably a prime target right yeah we're certainly uh one of the bigger energy uh, operators in australia so yeah we you know we have a dedicated team that that looks after that ot that that specifically understands that business uh we don't try and use generic not not generic security people but but we pay it the respect it deserves we have people that understand it uh, intimately that have a lot of experience in the ot world and security as well so they basically specifically work on uh, OT security and, and mitigating all possible future attacks and, and that kind of stuff. So you have a specialized unit that does just that type of uh, activity. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We have special people within the security team that that's their that's their area of expertise. And then, like yeah. I said, we we pay it because we see it as such a, a high threat as you, for all the reasons you mentioned before and in the position that we're in as far as regulation and legislation we uh we assign specific uh brain power to, to making sure it's protected mm, yeah that'd be interesting maybe if i can ever uh, get down there i'd love to come like see how you guys actually operate that stuff's so interesting to me okay so yeah. last um last thing i want to throw at you here is uh, you know everybody always talks about perfection or whatever else i think that that's kind of a exercise of utility what is the thing that you would say from you know you're doing the work and plotting and planning and putting things in place what shouldn't somebody do if they're working to get zt in place at their organization like what's a no-no 
Uh, I think Anona was having preconceived ideas about what outcomes you should get, what tools you should use, what processes you should implement. Um, my opinion is the closer to a problem you are, the more pragmatic you need to be. So I think you need to be happy to drop scope. You need to be happy to have your design challenged. You need to be happy for people to say, that's not going to work or I don't want to do that. Because at the end of the day, all of that makes the outcome of the work better. So you've got to sort of be flexible and be willing to just, um, you know, flex with what the business needs and what the people you're trying to convince need to get as an outcome as well. Mm. So don't be, don't be rigid and don't have like, this is the latest concept in zero trust, or this is the latest tool that someone's released that everyone's raving about. So we have to have it, you know? So don't be kind of the dictatorial thou shalt do this because I say so type of thing. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Because like I said before, to me, we're just workers in a company that are helping, trying to help the company grow and, and do better, you know, just like everybody else. So I don't think security people or IT people can go into those environments and say, this is what you have to do. I know better. You know, I know security and you don't. So just do what I say because, you know, obviously that'll get you nowhere. Hmm. Well, there you have it from somebody in a unique vertical, doing the work overseas, understanding ZT, applying the concepts, knows that what they're going on. I mean, I love it. I love talking to folks like yourself that actually are doing the work and, and get it and are putting things in place. So I can't thank you enough for your time. And this, I think this will be super valuable for the people that do listen to me jabber on. So, man, I, I just really appreciate it, Andrew. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, Chase. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Cheers. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.